is episode 7 of Audition Notes. Hey, and welcome to Audition Notes with me, Mark Westbrook from Acting Coach Scotland. Uh, we've had quite an absence from the podcast uh, over the past couple of months. Very busy here at the studio, and I've personally been working on uh, a new ebook uh, called Approaching Shakespeare um, a guide to tackling Shakespeare monologues for drama school and college auditions. So that's been where, where all my creative uh, energy has been going, and it's almost finished, almost finished. It's ready for some people to take a look at. And I thought since it's on my mind, then uh, we could look uh, very briefly at this topic of Shakespeare monologues uh, in today's podcast. So uh, what's the topic today, Haley? How do I approach a Shakespeare monologue for drama school or college audition purposes? Right, so how do we go about approaching uh, a Shakespeare monologue for drama school and college audition purposes? Uh, I think the Shakespeare uh, tends to terrify people. I think they see 400-year-old poetry and think that people once spoke like that. And uh, that... uh, you know, they should automatically be good at speaking it. I think that's not true. Um, I think it's it can be tough. It's wonderful, wonderful stuff. Both Nick and I love teaching Shakespeare. We rarely get a chance to do it uh, on our full-time program because our full-time program is more about gearing people towards what they're likely to do as, as graduates rather than what we'd like them to do. It has to be very practical. Um, so uh, instead, we spend a lot of time with private clients working on their monologues for drama school auditions and Shakespeare is the tricky one and we kind of have our own system kind of step-by-step sort of way of going about it Uh, and I thought I'd just very briefly speak you through some parts of it. Uh, Choosing a Shakespeare monologue that can be tough. Uh, We've actually developed this big list of Shakespeare monologues so that people can have a real look at you know more than just the 10 monologues they've heard of Um, My advice is just don't try and be original. It's very hard to be original with Shakespeare. He didn't write much lately. So go ahead and choose something you like. Uh, But if you can find something that's a little less done, that's fine too. But don't sweat too much about it. Probably the next thing, and we talked about this a little bit in in, in our previous podcasts, is the dramatic journey. From where to where. Um, A monologue, a Shakespeare monologue, or any kind of monologue without a journey isn't going to be interesting to watch. It's pretty important to think, oh yeah, well she starts by being, you know, completely belligerent, a total bitch, and ends vulnerable and sensitive and craving forgiveness. Right, there's the journey I found inside the monologue. Um, and then you plot your way from one to the other, from belligerent to vulnerable, step by step through that speech. And again, that stops uh, uh, stops the monologue appearing to be a little bit like this. Uh, I'm sad. I'm sad. I'm really sad. I'm really, really sad. I'm totally sad. It's over. So uh, journey is an important part of that. And then I think you need to, to ask some questions. I think you need to understand the speech. Now, I don't th- there's two issues here. One, you need to understand it literally. So 
you know, translate, if you must, the poetry into standard English, if that helps. Uh, but what I actually mean is understand it dramatically. So you want to look at the basics of base reality, which is, you know, who is this person, uh, where are they, and what are they doing? Uh, and by what are they doing, I, I kind of mean like, if I were to miss this monologue and you were to lean over and tell me in a sentence what I just missed, you wouldn't be waffling on about feelings and and states and changes and this and that. You'd sum it up pretty quickly for me. You know, she's confessing her love. She's she's deciding to fight the English. She's uh, rejecting his advances or, or whatever. Okay. Um, and uh, when you think about where the monologue is going to, like who is it to, and then not just who is it to, but how are you treating them? I'm speaking to um, the audience, but I'm speaking to them as if they are my friend, or as if they are my a jury condemning me, or as if they are uh, my enemy. Uh, then we want to look at this very, if you've been a student of mine, you're going to have heard this quite a bit recently. Uh, we want to get on a roller coaster. And what I mean by that is. A monologue should be like a roller coaster. It starts off, you know, chug, 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 nice and slow, building up, and then whoosh, down it goes. Now, if your monologue performance is more like a train journey from Glasgow to Edinburgh, a sort of straight line with no changes of speed or direction, you're going to bore them to death, bore them to tears. So, uh, structuring the monologue so that it has these changes of intensity, changes of pace, changes of direction, very important. One of those in the dramatic structure is finding both the turning point, usually when, say, belligerence turns to vulnerability, and then the climax, the height of the monologue. I suppose you should also start thinking about iambic pentameter. Uh, iamb is a kind of type of uh, poetic rhythm, and pentameter just means a metre of five. And for most people who know this, it's kind of de-dum, 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 de-dum. Almost every line of Shakespeare follows this basic pattern. So exploring the ambient pentameter often teaches an awful lot because Shakespeare chose um, the words he wanted to use uh, and he put them on the stressed beat. Uh, I make up a line, uh, I want to go to town to buy a book you will hear that I want to go to town to buy a book, right? All the important words are on the stressed beat. And there are ten beats in every line, five of them stressed, five of them unstressed. And exploring that will bring you an awful lot of good. Next, we often look at, um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the script, when the new thoughts begin. And this is a little complex and even controversial because I know Nick and I will disagree on this. Um, I follow the punctuation for new thoughts, but I also follow the lines. A line in Shakespeare is different from a sentence. A sentence might carry over many lines, uh, but a line finishes at the end of one line, well, literally one line. Um, and usually that last word has been placed there on purpose to be given more emphasis and to colour what happens next. And so quite often you get uh, a change of shade, of tone, of thought right there after that, that 
uh, last word of the line, uh, new thoughts, if you go through the script and look at the punctuation, you'll see all these new thoughts starting. That will stop you having a train journey. We usually then move on to subtext. If I say to you, I'm going now, and then that's either I'm announcing that I'm leaving, but it doesn't really tell you how I feel about it. So understanding the, the character's opinion on what they're saying is so important, okay? So we end up uh, working the, the subtext. You know, do I mean I don't want to go? Do I mean I've had enough of you? Do I mean I'm afraid to go? That decision will change that line, I'm going now, very much. You can, you can do that with the lines of Shakespeare too. Uh, we then work on to, 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 to add sort of actable verbs and adverbs to the monologue, what we call giving it direction, so deciding a little bit how it's going to be said by choosing the direction you'd like to take it. Uh, if you're with me, you would also work on wrestling with the poetry. You know, do you understand that this, there's uh, similes and metaphors? Do you understand uh, that there's sejuras in, in the poetry and what does that mean for performing your, um, your monologue. And finally, we'd get you on your feet. I mean, there'd be a lot of on the feet in the meantime, but we'd, we'd start staging uh, the piece and rehearsing it, uh, staging it, um, you know, so you're not standing on the spot. And so you're thinking about, you know, what is this a response to? Viola in Twelfth Night, for instance, she's just had the ring thrown back at her. So uh, why aren't you picking a ring up at the start of that monologue or something like that? And then starting to rehearse chunk by chunk. We've already we break it down into chunks and rehearse it chunk by chunk and then start running some of the chunks together. Well, I hope just taking you through, roughly through, the areas that we might explore if we're doing a Shakespeare monologue together that you might enjoy uh, now researching a bit more about, about these. Uh, my book, uh, Approaching Shakespeare, uh, a guide to fearlessly tackling Shakespeare monologues for drama school and college auditions, uh, will be out very, very soon and available from our website if that's useful. Uh, if you'd like a link, you can always get in touch with us, hello at actingcoachscotland.co.uk. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, that's instagram.com slash weareactingcoachscotland and Twitter at hello underscore ACS. Well, it's been a pleasure to share some of this information with you. I hope it was helpful. We're getting down to drama school audition time. The studio is busy and buzzing with clients who are here to prepare for this year's drama school. Uh, and we've had a lot of success in helping people get in to some of the top drama schools in the world over the years. So uh, I want to wish you good luck uh, this year. Break a leg. Uh, do your best. Put the work in. You know, it is a lot of work, it is tough, but if you if you really work at it, you can achieve the success you want. Uh, and, and, you know, don't give up. I suppose that's one of the most important things about drama school auditions is don't give up. Okay, thanks very much.